0: Well, let me extend my welcome to everyone joining us today all around Christ's journey. To those attending at the Kendall campus, we love you. We're so thankful for you. To our brothers and sisters in the south, to all of you joining us online on social media, we welcome you and greet you. And to everybody on the Gables campus, to the family, to the family, to everybody joining us online, I greet you today in the name of the God who comes to us on bended knee. Psalm 116, to the God who hears every word that we speak. To the God who gives us grace. Lord, thank you for this moment. God, may your spirit continue doing a work in us in our time of worship as we open our minds and our hearts to you. God, lead us to become the church that you want to see in our world. Lord, help us. Walk into the deep waters as we make this prayer in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen Amen. and amen. What does it look like for our lives and for the church to live on the edge? That's my question for us today. What does it look like for us to live on the edge, on the edge of life, on the edge of faith? And as I've been thinking about this question, my mind goes back to the first time I learned how to surf. I invited a buddy of mine to come with me. We went to a local surf shop. We rented a couple of boards, a couple of wetsuits, got a couple of pro tips. We had no idea what we were doing. But we both agreed that we would meet at the beach the next morning before dawn. Because that's when you surf. You surf before the sun comes up. And so we met at the beach. And let me tell you something. If you've never walked out into the cold, deep, black, shark-infested waters of the Pacific Ocean (laughs) before the sun comes up, it's both inspiring and terrifying all at the same time. And we walked in about to our chest and we said this is good. <laughs> we tried, tried to get up on our board kind of stumbled around a little bit and all of a sudden on the beach we noticed this guy come on come to the beach. He was tall, he was probably in his mid 50s, wasn't wearing a rented wetsuit, which typically means he, he knows what he's doing unlike us and uh, when he got into the water he started paddling right for us and I looked at my friend Ben and I said do you know this guy he said no and came right up to us inches away from our board and he looked at us both square in the eye and he said guys the waves are that way (laughs) no joke we watched this guy turn his board go off toward the black horizon to the point where we could barely see him in the water. He was a speck in the water. We watched him turn his board to the beach, and he just started riding wave after wave. His waves ended where we were catching white water to the beach. (laughs) And it was incredible. We'd never seen anything like this. We, we, We didn't know that you could ride a wave for as long as this guy did. And so I looked at my friend Ben and I said, bro, the waves are that way. <laughs> and so with total fear and trepidation, I mean, we were shaking. We just decided to paddle out toward the black horizon and follow this guy. And I felt overwhelmed. I, neither one of us expected to go so far beyond our comfort zone on our first session, but it was like the edge just called to us, terrified and all. We, we had to at least try what we witnessed this total stranger do. My fear told me this was impossible. But my mind thought to myself, there's nothing this guy did that you can't do. You, you can do this. I, what's the best that could happen in this scenario? And so we paddled against all of our fears, against all of our instincts. We followed this stranger all the way out into the unknown. And we didn't know what to expect, but i got to tell you what, after a few tries, we actually stood up on the board and we rode a wave back to the beach for more than a quarter mile. I mean, it was, it was incredible. We later found out, my, my friend Ben and I, that the, the, the conditions that day, both in the sea and in the weather, created an event that happens once in a season that locals call Malibu. And we, we rode Malibu for over a quarter mile. It creates these unsustained wave breaks. And it was unbelievable. In fact, not only that, but once we got past the break, out to the edge, we, we saw this pot of porpoises just float right by us. I mean, it was, it was amazing. It was this amazing moment of experiencing God's nature come alive. It was this amazing moment of experiencing something that we didn't know that we could do. And we experienced, quite honestly, more than we could have ever thought or imagined that morning because we chose to overcome our fear and follow this total stranger out to the edge. And man, as I reflect on that moment, I just think to myself, that's life with Jesus, isn't it? (laughs) That's life with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, he might feel like a stranger to you, but man, when you overcome your fear and follow this guy to the edge, something extraordinary happens extraordinary that you can't see from the beach life on the edge always leads us to adventure because that's what happens when you live on the edge life on the edge always leads to freedom when I rode Malibu I felt such a rush of freedom wash over me riding this powerful force of nature pushing me to the beach nothing I could do to stop it but also at the same time I'm able to to kind of harness it and I'm able to adjust to it and and ride it. So it's not like it completely overtook me. I, I was able to participate in it. And I suppose that's why people love to surf. And I also suppose that's what happens when God's Holy Spirit power touches our finite lives. His power fills us, yet somehow in His mercy doesn't overwhelm us. His, his power takes away our pride without removing our sense of self. He removes our selfishness, but doesn't remove our autonomy. God provides his spirit as a helper not to manipulate us, not to lead us to think or do like a a robot, like whatever God wants us to think or do, but rather God gives us his spirit to empower us, to lead us. True freedom is found when God's power and our life mysteriously come together. And we can't always control how that happens, but we can allow for it to happen when we take the first step towards surrender. Jesus said, if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. Free to live above the grind. Free to live weightless through the gravitational pull of sin, bringing you down. Free to move toward love. Free to do justice in this world. Free to show kindness. Jesus said the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose, Jesus says, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life, fueled by Christ's freedom, by God's Spirit alive in you. know, I believe that most of us didn't choose the hard, sour places that we experience in this life. Some of it results from what we do, but most of it doesn't. You know, most of us don't choose to get laid off. Most of us don't choose to get married and then want to see that end in divorce. Most of us didn't choose fatherlessness or motherlessness or didn't choose Barrenness. We, we didn't choose singlehood, many of us. We, many of these things just, we find ourselves forced to grapple with them in this life. And it, it, it feels like when we do, that we're kind of in these dead, unblooming places. And it takes me back to when I first visited Death Valley. Death Valley hints the name. Nothing nothing grows in Death Valley. It's this barren, beautiful wasteland of sorts with these mountains that just rise up in the peaks. And every year, as, as nature does, the southwest winds bring these seeds and these pollen, the seeds of life to grow in this space where life does not grow. But on occasion, rains come. And when the rains come, and the rains get into the cracks of that hard, barren place, it produces a a natural phenomenon called the super bloom. And the super bloom, when it happens, it's like this massive unfolding of life in a place where life life does not grow. It's like this massive burst of color that's dominated by grays and browns And when you choose to respond to Christ's love for you and invite his spirit to come into you as you take one step towards surrender, then you allow the living water to touch some of those barren, dry places, some of those broken places where the seeds are there and to allow life to grow where perhaps you might feel like life cannot grow Jesus offers us the freedom to experience the fruit of his spirit alive in our lives, despite whatever circumstance you may be facing. When we live on the edge, when we choose to live on the edge, new life springs forth. Now, when I say the edge, what do I mean when I say the edge? I mean living in the way that Jesus did, in the EDGE. Living front and center with your evangelism, with your discipleship, generosity and empowerment. Jesus modeled each and every single one of these characteristics in his ministry leadership and ultimately in his sacrifice. In evangelism, Jesus shared the wonderful, incredible good news of the Father's love for us. In generosity, and discipleship, Jesus helped his followers grow in understanding and obedience to God's life-producing word. In generosity, Jesus poured out his life for us, demonstrating what Jesus taught when he said it's better to give than to receive. And ultimately giving his life to show the fullest expression of that meaning. And empowerment Jesus gave his followers the possibility to minister to others in His name, even speaking these, still to this day, at least for me, these unfathomable words found in the Gospel of John, where He said, "Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these." Did you know that's in, that's in your Bible, <laughs> that's in the Gospel of John, that. With God's Spirit alive in you, that you have the potential to do even greater things than what Jesus did, because now Jesus sits on the throne. And when Jesus ascended to the Father in Acts chapter one, he gave us his spirit. And now his spirit is unleashed to every single one of you and to all of those who place their trust in him and all of those who participate in his body called the church. His spirit is with you. There is no fear. There is no fear. Amen. God, may we we come to experience this and receive this. Life on the edge leads us to adventure because you can't help but to experience adventure on the edge. Life on the edge leads us to freedom. In fact, we serve a free God. God acted in freedom to set you free. He freely entered into our world as a human being, freely went to the cross as a sacrifice For our sin and through his sacrifice, Jesus made us at one with our Heavenly Father. And now whenever your Heavenly Father sees you, and maybe this is all you need here today. When your Heavenly Father sees each and every single one of you, your Father sees you as right. He doesn't see you as some sinner or some broken person that has come to the end of the line. Your Father sees you as right and free. He sees you as his very own son as his very own daughter and though we can't do anything to earn God's merciful freedom we can certainly do something else we can do this we can stiff arm it <laughs> we can't we can't do anything to earn it but we can we can certainly push it back and one of the ways that we do this is either thinking a little bit too highly or a little bit too low of ourselves On the one side is pride. On the other side is shame. But the common denominator between both pride and shame is fear. Fear is at the bottom. And you might be thinking to yourself, how's how's my pride rooted rooted in fear? Well, think about why you need to rise up against everybody else. Why you need to feel like yourself needs to be ahead of everybody else. Could it be if you really look in? Could it be that maybe you feel afraid of not being heard? You feel afraid of inferiority or feel afraid of not stepping in fully into who you are? Shame and pride are both sides of the fear coin. Fear robs you of your God-given freedom. It's the opposite of God. If God is the source of your freedom, then fear originates from the one whom Jesus calls the father of lies. In fact, the Bible encourage us. I just think this is incredible. The Bible encourages not not to fear 365 times. Do you think God's trying to tell us something? I think God's trying to tell us every day of every year, do not fear. Choose life. Choose me. Choose freedom. And I'm going to tell you Every single day. I'm going to remind you every single day with my spirit alive in you, but also with the accountability and relationship that comes with being a part of my church. My church. When we live on the edge, there's nothing to be afraid of. And instead, what I would encourage you to see fear as is a signal. I want you to see fear as a signal. Rather than, than, you know, learning how to just simply get along with it or just seeing it as your dark passenger... Or seeing it as something, oh, I'm feeling afraid and I just got to kind of back myself up a little bit. Or I'm feeling afraid and I got to rise up and bully somebody or bully my way to the top. I want you to see it as a signal and I want you to ask yourself three questions every time you feel afraid or feel fear rising up in you. I want you to ask yourself, what am I not releasing? What am I not releasing to God? If you call yourself a Jesus follower, Jesus says, I want it all. (laughs) So what what am I not releasing? What do I want to control in this scenario? And then if you're a control freak like me, that's probably a pretty easy question to answer, so that's why you need to ask the third question. Why am I afraid to lose it? Why am I afraid to lose whatever it is that I'm trying to hold on to? And asking yourself these three simple questions, I think, can help you get a little bit closer to to the heart of fear, and begin to root it out, to root out and process through whatever pride or shame may be maybe taking root in you, and to invite God's spirit to start kind of doing the work of getting it out, and instead replace that fear with the identity that God gives to you as his son or daughter, as his prince or princess in the kingdom. <laughs> That's your identity. You know, in doing this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. Like, And every time I do this, and I still do it, and I will always do it because it's always with me. Every time I do this, it's, it forces me and it forces all of us to confront some places in our lives that me, we may not want to go to. We may not want to go there. You just, I'm not going there. <laughs> and I get it. I get it. And it will take great courage for you to do that. But with God's spirit alive in you, with the church alive and with you, with friends encouraging you, Go, do it, do it, go. Every step you take as you you lean into God's courage coming alive, every step you take will lead you into a step of freedom. Many of you know that. Keep going and keep encouraging those around you to not miss the promise of Christ's rich and satisfying life because you want to remain in control or you want to stand back and just stay comfortable. I got to tell you, and I think we all know this too, nothing great has ever happened in our lives or in this world because someone wanted to remain in control or stay comfortable. Am I right? Right. Nothing great's ever happened when you stay in control or when you stay comfortable. Jesus said if you cling to your life, and life as you know it, However you define that for yourself with the the shame, with the pride, with the fear, whatever that looks like for you, if you cling to that, then you're going to lose it. You might have some kind of relationship with Jesus, but you're going to lose for sure the rich and fullness of that promised, satisfying life that he wants to give to you. But if you release it, then you will find every promise come true for you. Release to receive. Release to receive. Let me encourage you that. Just to, when you feel afraid, release to receive. I'm releasing to receive. During this past year and a half, I think with so much uncertainty and disruption, living on the edge, I think for many of us has become secondary to self preservation, which is simply pride grounded in fear. The church cannot live on the edge and in fear at the same time, it's absolutely impossible. It can, it can wrestle together at the same time. It can, one can try to take over the other. But the fullness of freedom cannot be experienced when there is the presence of fear. It's the negative correlation. The, the more you root out fear, the more you're going to experience freedom. The more, the more you give way to fear, the less you're going to experience freedom. It has a negative correlation to it. John wrote, such love has no fear. Because perfect love casts out fear. In fact, later in Timothy, Paul wrote, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. The two do not coexist together. Fear divides our sense of self and loyalties. It drives wedges between us and other people. It isolates us from others, opens our ears to deceit from the father of lies. And when uncertainty presents itself, fear arises at least it does for me it's kind of like that's what that's what happens and then in that moment we have an opportunity to decide and thank God that we serve a God who when Jesus encountered these things Jesus showed us and modeled for us what a life looks like that chooses fear on the night that Judas betrayed him Jesus did not choose fear Jesus instead chose to live on the edge and to stay on the edge. Jesus chose instead to give up his own self-preservation and his own comfort for the sake of our freedom. He released his own sense of of comfort so that we could live forever with him. His life spawned a super bloom of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And now we bear that same fruit as well whenever we choose to follow him all the way to the edge. That same super bloom is available and possible for every single one of you who choose that. Release your fear to receive Christ's freedom. My fear tells me that setting aside my fear and shame won't work well for me. (laughs) It's not going to work out well. If I set aside my pride, it's not ultimately things aren't going to work well for me if I do that. But on the other side, when I dig deep into Christ's Holy Spirit courage, and I I choose in faith to release my fear, what I experience is Jesus brings back together what sin has divided in my life. When I try to force it, it just never really materializes, but Jesus brings back together what my sin is divided. Jesus buys back what my sin is stolen. Jesus restores what my sin is broken and heals what my sin is wounded. Jesus ultimately saves what my sin has killed. When I give it up and choose to walk with him, through the sacrifice of his death and the victory of his resurrection, Jesus freed us from the life grinder. I think about a meat grinder, just man, just churning us with fear. And it said, open the opportunity for us to live and receive life abundant with our Savior. Paul writes, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. For freedom. Freedom comes because of freedom. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Stand firm. The, The sways of fear constantly come to you. Like a tide. It's almost tidal in nature. That's what Paul says, stand firm, receive it, stay on the edge. Friends, as we look ahead to the next year, learning from what we experienced this past year and think ahead for where God wants to take the church, our church, over this next year, let me first say that we overcome our fear and follow Jesus to the edge together. We don't do this apart from each other. We don't do this in isolation. The only way we overcome is when we overcome together as one body, Christ's body, alive and mysteriously pieced together in a profound yet remarkably tangible way. I I need you. You need me. We need each other. And each of you sitting in this room, Kendall Campus joining us online, you are part of this larger community called the church, called Christ's Journey Church. So what is that mean? Well, it means that this next year we're going to come together. We're going to help make make some wrongs right. That's what we're going to do. We're going to make some wrongs right. We're going to offer some real tangible hope, like the real deal holy field kind of hope, where we give people real hope to change from their current life to a new season of super bloom. It means that we get to help people take some second chances in life, some third chances in life. We get to help people say, your story's not finished yet. You're not at the end of your story. In fact, maybe God's giving you a new beginning, and we're going to do it together as one church. That's what we're going to do this next year. When we stand on the edge, we get to give that message. We get to give that message. Our mission is to live on the edge of evangelism, discipleship, generosity, and empowerment. It's not a social club. It's not an institution. It's the edge. That's what the church is in communities and neighborhoods all around our county, all around our city, in communities even in Antigua, where a group of more than 20 people right now join us every single week to follow along and participate in the church. In other Central and South American countries where you have roots, people get to join in and become part of the church. Jesus wants to show off his power through each and every single one of you over this next year and for the rest of your life. And so let's release our fear to receive Christ's freedom. Jesus promises to do even greater things through each one of you. And he does so by enacting his rule through our church on his throne. (laughs) I'm not making this up. This This is in the word of God. And in the same way that your heart does not exist apart from your body. For Jesus follower living on the edge cannot happen apart from your local church. In fact, there I say, and I've experienced this thousands of times in my years of pastoral ministry, the closer you get to the local church, the closer you get to getting involved in the local church, the more you feel free to say, when fear arises, I'm going to choose freedom, I'm going to choose Jesus, and I'm going to walk in faith. That's what happens when we stay connected together. When the church rises to its potential, lives in freedom, and follows its Savior all the way to the edge, then it becomes transformed by God's Spirit alive in us as Christ's living hands and feet. This is God's word. 1 Corinthians 12, what we touch, what we teach, what we multiply in Jesus' name literally becomes an expression of Christ's body in our city. The church isn't a building or institution. Rather, the church, Christ's journey church, you, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. You make, you bring the flavor to the party. You are a love letter from Jesus, which means as people get to know your life, they're reading not just some, some cool guy, some cool lady, but they're reading literally Jesus' love letter being written. You are a fishing net designed and capable to bring more people in. You are a lifeboat for the drowning. You are an ark for the lost, a living loaf of bread for the hungry. You are the light of the world for those living in darkness. You are the branches of the true vine, the living vine. You are God's planting, the bride of Christ, a wedding feast. You are choice clothing. Take that, Jerry Lorenzo for the, for anybody who attended the global leadership summit when you put on faith and wear it among God's people you are dazzling <laughs> the choice is clothing you are citizens of heaven you are members of God's household you are God's household You are ambassadors of the true king, a holy city, the people of God, a new creation. You are the body of Christ, alive and transformed. And that's just to name a few of those images in the Bible. Just to name a few. In fact, in the word of God, there are over 80 images that talk about what the church looks like and what it means for the world. None of them include building, institution, or organization. They all include you. 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 You are the church. You are the church. I'm telling you, you are the church. And when we actually believe this, we do even greater things than Jesus. Who thinks that Jesus did some pretty great things when he walked this earth? I want to do more. Man, and I want to do it with you. Not because I'm Jesus or we're Jesus, because Jesus is now living in us. When we gather together, for all of you joining us online and in this room, there are over 1,500 potential lives, being transformed with Jesus to do more than he could have done. That's how we need to see ourselves in the church. When we choose to live on the edge in freedom, then we become the living embodiment of how God's word describes the way we live, which is ultimately a living expression of love. Everywhere we go, we're not an organization overcome by fear. We're the living body of Christ. For goodness sake, come on. Which means you really are the only Jesus that some people will ever see in this world. That's more than just a saying. That's what happens when your life becomes transformed. We're a family of adopted sons and daughters. And when one part of our body hurts, man, we suffer. We suffer together. When one part of our body rejoices, man, we celebrate together. We don't envy. We don't say, wow, I'm so thankful. I'm not hurting right now. We mourn together. We celebrate together. We help each other live on the edge by encouraging each other to lead a life worthy of the calling you've received in Christ Jesus, which means this. Practically, what does it look like for to be at the church? It means this: we don't give up on each other. We don't give up on this community. We don't leave when times get tough or when our feelings get hurt. We practice restorative leadership by seeking out the crucial conversations and find resolution. That's what we do. We help each other. We show up and show kindness for one another. We listen to each other. Even when we disagree, we listen and we we ask ourselves, what might I learn in hearing a different point of view? We make space for each other. We make space for others. And when there's no more space to make, we take out the chairs and we keep making more space. Because that's what the church is. Someone made space for me. When I do not deserve to be made space for. We disagree without dishonoring. We forgive one another just as in Christ God forgave us. You've been forgiven. And so if you question or wonder, should I forgive? The answer is always yes to that question. Should I forgive? Absolutely forgive. Because you've been forgiven. We share the gospel. We serve on mission. We stand confident and committed to our absolutes. When someone disagrees with the Trinity or with Jesus being God's son or with the Bible being the word of God, I I don't say, oh, you know, maybe you got a point. I say, no, this is our absolute. And let me show you. let's, Let's listen to each other. Let's grow together. And we love God and love others as we love ourselves together. As a church on the edge, we will show the world beginning in our communities, beginning in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, we will show the world that Christ is alive because he's alive in us. That's how we show the world. So my question to you is, will you stand on the edge? In this difficult, confusing season, will you stand on the edge? Will you go to that? Will you choose to step out of the white water and go where the waves are? Let's go to the edge. I want to invite you to stand together as we close in prayer. I want to invite you to do something that we typically don't do. Just, I just want to ask you to hold out your hands to receive today. Lord, thank you. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for giving us infinite chances to keep leaning into you. God, when our fear swells up on us like a, like a tide, just it's so constant. It's, it's so rhythmic. It's even predictable in so many ways. God, you give us the courage to stand up against it and say, no, not today. God, thank you for your courage. Thank you for giving us your spirit. God, thank you that when you ascended, you didn't leave us by ourselves to figure out how to do this life, but but you are with us, not to overcome or overpower us, but God, you are with us to help and lead and empower. So help us not be shy. Help us live bold. We're receiving you today, God. We're asking for, in the same way that you came to the church in Acts 2 and started a movement, God, I'm praying for that same fresh of holy wind fire right now, God. Light us on fire. Light us on fire for your will, for to see your kingdom come in Miami as it is in heaven. God, we're asking for these things in the name of your son, Jesus. And God, I'm asking you to comfort us because it's not easy looking fear in the eye. It's not easy giving away our pride. We're confronting our shame, but Lord, you are so good, and you know what we need, and you've given us this church to walk together. So help us take a step, help us surrender, help us us move together, help us become what, what you see for us as we make this prayer in your name. For those today who want to take their first step in Jesus with open hands to receive. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. God, today I'm stepping away from my fear and I'm stepping into freedom with you. I'm placing my trust. I'm choosing freely to place my trust in you to receive what you did for me on the cross and the new life that that you gave for us all. And for me, I receive your spirit. I receive your forgiveness. And I'm in. Help me. God, as I take my first steps with you. If you prayed this prayer with me and would like to make your first step today with Christ, would you just simply raise your hand just to where I can see you? Thank you. God, as a church, we're on the move for you. And so lead us, Lord. Our hands are open. Lead us in your name, your powerful name, amen.